Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Do you know the rules of the game? Yeah. You know the rules of the game? I don't care what color. Can you make me a hundred million? Let's talk money. Can you make me that? If you can't make me that, I won't talk to you. Hey, I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my line unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is broad money marathon. Do five years of this and be a millionaire and go on do what I want to do. Have kids, go live my chip and joy in the games life out here in Texas or struggle for next year. The choice is yours. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bella, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance. Checking in with my co-host, fellas. How y'all feeling? What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Jalen, here, checking in. Back at it again. Another quarter of the Black Wealth Renaissance. I'm feeling great here, man. Got some great energy going on. How the rest of y'all doing? Feeling good, man. It's a lovely Saturday. Ready to get into this podcast. This is going to be a great episode. I already know it. Hey, man, what's good? What's good? It's your boy, Jared, another fourth of the Black Wolf Renaissance. Hey, I'm definitely excited for this podcast today, man. I'm excited. We're about to get into a great episode. I'm really interested from what I've heard. I'm really excited to learn more. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, with that, we're going to hop into it and we will introduce our guest, entrepreneur out of Omaha, Nebraska. She's got her own ice cream shop, online boutique, business coach. She's a woman with many many different talents and hustles. Miss Trishana Helm, how you doing, Trishana? Thank, oh, you said it perfectly. I'm doing amazing, you guys. Thank you so much. How are you guys doing today? Are we great. Oh, Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to run my mouth. I'm excited to talk, learn, spread the word to some people. So it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Are they ready is the question. Are they ready? I hope, I hope y'all ready. Y'all, y'all heard it. So look, just let them know. She about to drop them gems on y'all. So we just go jump right into it. So for our audience who is not familiar with you, can you just let them know, you know, who are you and how you got your started? Yeah, so my name is Trishana. I was going to say I'm 25. I've been saying a lot. I just turned 26 a few days ago. So I'm now 26 years old. I'm an entrepreneur. I live in Omaha, Nebraska. I own a rolled ice cream shop here in town, downtown. We hit six figures in 60 days, a half a million a year and counting. 
I'm also a business coach. I help people start their businesses, grow their businesses, automate their businesses. I'm also a YouTuber where I talk about this. Listen, everything is business, but then it's like, okay, you get my lifestyle and who I am too. So you see, like I show people the struggle, the grind, and then the opposite end of that as well. And then what else do I do? I tap dance some real estate a little bit, do a little dance with that. And yeah, that pretty much sums me up. I also have an online boutique. I'm in the e-commerce world. So that's just my little passive income, you know, play money. So, so Shoshana, I want to hop into like your first venture. So like, what was the first thing that you hopped in cause with entrepreneurship? Like what was your first attempt at it? First attempt. So growing up, Pooch, y'all really hopped right into it. So my mom owned hair salons growing up. So I was six years old, stuck in my mom's hair salon every single day. And my mom was like, you're going to learn how to do hair. So I would just learn how to do hair, watch her do hair. And so after hours, when she didn't want to braid or her hands were cramping, she would close her shop up and she would have me, my six-year-old self, braiding her client's hair. So that was my first like little hustle. And I used to get paid good money. They used to pay me $75 to me at six, seven years old, make $75 to do some little braids. That was my first like time making money, six and seven. And my mom got wind of it. My little clientele started building up. I started doing like her client's daughter's hair and things like that. So I started paying bills at an early age. My mom came and collected $65 for me a month to pay the cable and $45 a month for me to help go towards the lights. So I had $120 or something like that worth of bills at an early age. So that was my first like little service-based business. and. The hustle just start going from there. Oh, that's crazy. I definitely, I felt like the hustle was always in you because of how you said it, but it all makes sense now. That's yeah. why. My mama, my mama raised me like, listen, my mama was strict, but like growing up, I didn't get it. But now it's like, I want to change the way I grew up for the world. So with you learning those entrepreneurial skills, were you also being taught the backside of like finances and how to manage that money at an early age? No, that's one part I feel like my mom, you know, because our parents only do what they can do with the tools they have at the time, right? So my mom, she was never strong in that point. Yeah, so I'm blessed to be able to tell my mom more about the financial end of business now. So she put the hustle in me, she put the hunger in me, you know, but now it's like, okay, mom, take your money, you do this. You take this percent, you do this. Your staff should only be within 25 to 30% of your income. Like, so I'm able to teach her that part of it now, so. Hmm. Hey, that's interesting and that's definitely a blessing like you said you can take it full circle where she taught you how to make the money she gave you the hustle now you can actually teach her how to manage the money so that's awesome that you're able to do that but i want to kind of like go back so after you know six and seven you got your money going on or whatever what did you jump into next did you put that money into making more money did you go on in another venture no so what was next for me was my I used to always draw like I was a doodler I would always be at my grandma's house every Saturday we had to stay at my grandma's house when my mom worked because she was working hair salon and then by night she was working as um like a CNA so my grandma one day came to me and was like you are drawing so I need you to draw this for me so she gave me a picture and was like draw exactly what you see and her saying draw exactly what you see stood in my mind so I took that picture. I spent hours drawing exactly what I seen. And the picture was like perfect. So everyone discovered that I can draw. So next, everyone in my family wanted me to draw, do painting. So I wanted to win Scholastic Art Awards for my art. I went on to selling art. Anytime I would draw, paint something, my mom would sell it. So that became my next little hustle. I was, I already knew how to do hair. So that's one thing I'll do. And the next thing was selling paintings, painting portraits. And that was the next thing. 
and they realized I was very artistic, I started going into like art contests. You know, when you go to like the store and they color the pumpkin, whoever gets the best pumpkin wins. I did that before and they really took the pumpkin back, the picture of the pumpkin came back and I won like all types of crayons and just everything. So I really got into art from there. It was a blessing and a curse. I became a jack of all trades. So I'm, here I am knowing how to do hair. Then I learned like, oh, I'm an artist. I can paint and draw. And then my mom bought me beads and she was like, you're into jewelry. Like just, we're gonna take, give you a bead class and start making jewelry. So then I learned how to make jewelry. So I'm making wire bracelets and jewelry and going door to door for my mom's hair salon to different other businesses, other houses with my brother. Like she always made my brother tag along. And I started selling jewelry door to door to people. And they would say, like, oh, I would love the bracelet, but you don't have earrings to match, so I don't want it. I would go back, make the bracelet and the earrings and the anklets, go back and then sell it. So I was making like $35 a pop per necklace and earring set. And then I would do that, like sell two, sell two a day, sell three a day. And it just went on and on from there too. So that was my other business. So it was a lot. I was doing a lot. I think <laughs> it goes on if y'all want to hear more. I think it's awesome that you had your family behind you. Like they're constantly supporting you and trying to get you to do new ventures and try to get you to do different things to try to sell your just different art. Yeah. Yeah, because then my great grandmother one day bought me a sewing machine. Like, well, she put me, her friend, one of her good friends taught sewing lessons. And you had to be 18 years or older to be in the class. I was seven or six or seven. And she was like, I'm going to get you in this sewing class. I'm like, I don't know anything about sewing. She was like, I'm gonna just get you in the sewing class. I'm like, literally, I don't like, I'm crying. I'm six years old. I get in this class, everyone's 50 and up. They're sewing stuff. They're already, they're, it's a basic sewing class. So I had to make a shirt. I cried real tears in that class every single day. And at the very end of it, my grandma bought me my very own sewing machine just for completing the class. And I told her I hated sewing. I didn't want to do it. But after that, I got to playing with it. And I learned like, okay, it isn't so bad. So then I used to sew and him up skirts and like lap covers for all the old ladies at my church. So I was bringing in money between doing hair, selling paintings, doing drawings, and then now I'm sewing clothes. So I was bringing in money at an early age. So then when my mom had my little brother when I was nine years old, I was walking around with three, four, $500 regularly. So I'm buying him clothes and just keeping my little brother in the fresh J's now, you know, so I bought my own cell phone at nine years old. I was. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, this is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. I was out here thugging <laughs> at an early age. That's what's up, though, man. Like... That's the beauty of, like, one of the things we talk about with this. Like, the way you were brought up and raised with that entrepreneurial spirit, that's what we need to see more of out of what's going on right now. Like, we talked about the personal finances earlier, like how we're getting the opportunity to learn that, but your mom put that hustle in you, and that's really still one of the most important things, too. We got to think about that. So I just like hearing all those different stories, like, about how you came up, because it made, like Jalen said earlier, it makes sense about, how you are, what you are with business now, how you're able to operate and run multiple businesses efficiently because you started out, it was a lot. You said like it was crazy when you were young, but now you can do all that. So I wanted to ask you like, with the different businesses you run, what are some of the like things you do to manage all that? Yeah, I'm a firm believer in 
trying not to master too many things at once because then you become a jack of all trades and master of none. So growing up being a jack of all trades, I learned quick that I wasn't making a lot of money, you know? So I realized like, okay, I'm always still broke, but I'm always busy. You know, I'm always busy and broke. So I didn't understand what was going on. So it wasn't until, so after I went into, got three different jobs. So I'm in high school. I'm like, okay, I have to work three different jobs. I don't know why, but I just had so many different jobs and I was still always felt broke. And so you always go back to your roots, right? So after working three jobs, I got tired of the rat race and I went back and I was like, let me use some of these skill sets, you know? And I was able to quit my job at 18 years old. That's a whole different story. And I've been self-employed since I was 18, but I learned that I can't keep going down that same path of jack of all trades. So I was like, let me really get something solid first, get that off the ground, make sure that's making money, and then I can move on to the next thing. So that's pretty much my model now. Like now, if I create a business, I have to have a business plan, you know? And a lot of people don't have business plans. They don't realize that, oh, I don't need money. I don't need a business plan. But that's the structure. There's no blueprint for your business. There's no pamphlet that says, Trishana's business, I can go pick that up. I have to create that, right? So now I go off a business plan. So if I ever feel stuck in my business, I go back to my business plan. Like, okay, this is what you wrote. When you first had the idea, this is what you were going to do. You know what I'm saying? So now if the motivation is gone, the energy is gone, all that, I can go back to this and like, okay, this is where you started. This is where you said you're going to be by this day. Are you meeting these lines? So these deadlines. So now for me, it's just structure, you know, being strategic with everything that I do. Man, that's powerful. That's really, really powerful. And I think, you hit the nail on the head. Like you said, a lot of people overlook business plans and really just structuring out a business. And I'm not even gonna lie, like we were the same way. Like we didn't really structure our business as a business when we first started this. So that's so important to a lot of people who are looking to start. Having that structure and really just having that blueprint, it'll help guide you and help you get along so much further. And I'm pretty sure that's why you're able to do six figures in 60 days because you said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I need to do in order to get to this goal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because like I said, I've always come from hustle, but when that business plan was created for this ice cream shop and that business model was solidified, the financial gain was totally different. You know what I mean? Like I never want someone to not do something because they don't have a business plan. I'm the type of person where I like to just go for it, right? Just go for it. But if you can put some structure behind that and actually plan your longevity of that business is way stronger than just that initial hustle, that initial, you know, reaction. So. So I got a question <laughs> for a person who has never written a business plan before. Can you kind of walk us through a brief description of how you would set that up? Yeah, I actually have an ebook out about that. It's only $20, but anyway, yeah, it's called business one-on-one ultimate business guide with Trishana. So basically with the business plan, you need to know your mission statement. You need to know your objective. So what is the purpose of this business, right? Why am I creating this? Not for yourself, not because it's something you love, but why are you creating this? How can it add value to your audience? A lot of times we think because we love something, everybody else is going to love it. We're not you. You're not me. I'm not y'all. You know what I'm saying? So when you're creating a business, it has to be, how can I add value? How can this help someone else's life? Everyone is self-centered. Everyone, we're lazy. We want everything in the palm of our hands. What is your business going to do to add to that? The other thing you want to think about is, your, like I said, your mission statement. Who is your target audience, Right. Who are you talking to? A lot of times we oh, I'm a business coach. Okay, but who are you talking to? Oh, I'm talking to people who want to start a business. No, that may, that's different. I'm actually talking, I realize I'm talking to people who are at the very beginning stages of their business. There's some business coaches out there who are talking to people who are already making a million dollars in revenue, but they want to make 200 million. You know, that's not my audience. My audience is people who want to start. So you just have to know exactly who you are and why. 
Another thing I want to include in the business. So also knowing your demographics too. So knowing, you know, what price range are people in your niche spending? How much money are they spending? What age group shops at? How much money are they spending? So for me, I had to learn who's buying ice cream. At what rate are they buying ice cream? How often are they buying ice cream? You know, what makes the ice cream sales decrease in that world? What makes ice cream sales go up? Do people buy ice cream when they're happy, when they're sad? So know that, you know what I'm saying? So if you're selling hair, do people buy hair more so for vacations? Are they buying hair because they're balding? What type of products do you need to offer? Do you need to offer wigs? Are people okay with using their own edges? You know, like you have to, like all that plays a part. A lot of times people think, oh, I just bought some bundles and I'm about to flip them. Like that's cute. But if you're trying to scale up, you need to know that. And then two, you need to know when it's time to hire. How many employees are you going to have? And a lot of times, black businesses, we feel like we can do it all. We are the end-all, be-all, and that's why our business will stay a hobby or we'll keep making the same amount of money over and over and over. I see a lot of wigologists, too. They're like, I'm only, they'll leave messages on Instagram and on their website. I'm one person, so I'm working as fast as I can. That's your problem. As a consumer, I don't care how fast you're working. I want my product. So we need to hire. A lot of times, we're shooting ourselves in the foot by not expanding when it's the right time. That's like me running a whole ice cream shop by myself or with two people. And then I got to turn people away and tell them, well, we're only two people. Like we don't care. We want our ice cream. Yeah. You said the major word in there when it comes to black business is scalability. That's the one that we, we really always got to keep in mind whenever you're going into that. And you said something earlier. Could you kind of like give like a part of the blueprint for scalability? Like I know you mentioned some percentages with your mom. Like you said, only 25% will go to you. Huh? 20 and 30% of your profit is what your employees should be taking. Yeah. Yes. So scalability, hire. I feel like if you're making $5, spend one on hiring. So I always, this is my philosophy for people who don't feel like they're ready or they don't know when to hire or they don't have enough money because hiring is going to increase your money. So I always start off with write every single thing you do on the left-hand side. So create a list, write every single thing that you do, whether it's wake up, work out, go to sleep, eat, answer emails, package orders, inventory, whatever you do from the morning to sun, from sun up to sundown, right on the left-hand side. Things that can be done by other people, write that on the right-hand side. And when you start realizing you're juggling so many different things, you'll start realizing that you're literally holding yourself back. So for me, I like to work out. I like to run. I like to, I like to do all types of stuff, right? That's, that's my personal self. So obviously someone can't go run for me. Someone can't eat for me. So those things will stay on my left-hand side. But when it comes to answering emails, booking calls, creating calendars, that's literally something that can be taught. And a lot of times we don't have systems in place. So anything can be taught as long as it's a system, right? So packaging orders. You're not the only person who can make a wig, boo-boo. You're not the person who do a sew-in. Like, it's cute. It sounds special. We love it. But you're not the only person who can do that. I'm not the only person who can run an ice cream shop. I'm not the only person who can answer email. I'm, y'all not the only people who can do a podcast, right? It sounds great. We love to think we're just one of a kind, but you're we're really not that special when it comes down to it. So anything that we can do, we can train somebody else to do it. The minute you know how to do it, put that in the system, write it down, hire somebody and say, this is exactly what I did. I know it works because I've already done it. So same with me. I learned how to make the ice cream. I was in there chopping, rolling it up, cupping it. Hey, welcome to make some blah, blah, blah. The minute I know how to do it, I tell my staff, Trish, you're never in here. Oh, because I already learned how to do it. So I'm telling you what works. Like I'm showing you exactly what works. So whenever my staff tries that too, well, we were in here hot. I was in here 16 hours a day for 30 days straight. I know exactly what you're going through. But at the same time, it's a system. This is what's proven to work. It's proven time and time again. And that's our job if we're trying to scale is to just find what works, what doesn't, fix it, put it in the system, hire. That's it. Hmm. 
I really want to get on to uh, differentiation. I think that's something huge, especially with starting with a business is like you said, we're not the only podcast. You're not the only ice cream maker. There's other people that do this in the same industry. So I think, I think a huge part of when you're starting a business is differentiation. And can you speak on that? Maybe even to your ice cream shop, like how y'all are different from other ice cream shops. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you said that because we're literally on the same block as a staple ice cream place here in town. They've been around since before I've been born. So at first we were so nervous, like the competition, what are we going to do? We were terrified. So we overlooked our location for at least eight months before we finally circled back around onto it. And we're different because, or first of all, I had to learn, like there's room for everybody at the top, you know, and traffic attracts traffic, shopping attracts shopping. So if there's people there, there's going to be people here, you know? So if we're all in the same area, there's enough money customers to go around. So what makes us different from this staple ice cream shop that we grew up to love in my town was that we are based more so for millennials. And that goes back to your business plan. Knowing who your target audience is would set you apart. Ice cream is ice cream at the end of the day. So for us, it's like we're charging more expensive. We're charging high price upscale ice cream. And that's how we label ourselves. We're an upscale ice cream shop. And we write the name on the ice cream. Our customer service is a Chick-fil-A. You know, we're the target of the Walmarts, you know, so our customer service. So it's just offering those little things that you can do for your business that's going to set you apart. A lot of times we think, well, everything has to be donations. 25, 30% is going to, proceeds are going to, like, you know, we get so carried away with that. We think that we have to come up with all these extravagant things when it starts with customer service, making your customers feel welcome, making your customers feel valued. You guys, you're speaking to an audience of people that can relate, right? Some podcasts are very cut and dry and it's like, blah, 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 you know? So I always tell people, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, okay? You don't got to do somersaults and back handsprings in your business. You really don't. You just have to find what works for you, what works for your customer. So the minute I can talk directly to my customer, I want. It's not about what they're doing. It's just you're different because you are, you know, you, you offer that value to your audience. You know who you're talking to. So really, that's the only thing that you got to work on to set yourself apart. Because, hell, we're ice cream just like they're ice cream. But why are we busy, too? Because we upscale customer service is great. And I kind of want to ask you, so, like, whenever you getting ready to launch this or even getting ready to launch this new venture, what made you say, okay, I want to do ice cream? How'd you come to that conclusion and really say, this is what I want to do? I honestly never even liked ice cream growing up. I didn't like it at all. Um... I was that kid where whenever my mom would say, we're going to go out for ice cream and she'll take us to like Sonic or something or Dairy Queen. I just wanted a foot long hot dog. I didn't want ice cream. I wanted a hot dog and that was it. So really was, I was, I had an online boutique and I was trying to grow my business. So I was trying to travel and meet influencers all the time. So that was tricky. So then I was like myself and my manager were like, we're going to start trying to build you up as an influencer. So I started trying to do that. I probably had like 10K at the time. I went to California, tri-rolled ice cream. I wanted to tri-rolled ice cream. I told my manager while I'm there, book me to tri-rolled ice cream because I just really want to try it. I think I was out there for like some BT stuff as a micro-influencer. I was invited to maybe one or two parties out there, a few influencer friends. And so a rolled ice cream place, they're like, okay, yeah, we'll have her. She has to post on Instagram and Snapchat. We'll pay her like $30. So I was like, cool. I'll go try it. Got paid a little something. Probably spent that in Uber just getting there, but whatever. Tried the rolled ice cream and I posted on Instagram and everyone was like, wow, where's this at? Because I just remember seeing it on Instagram. Like I didn't know anything really about it. And then I went to Texas because I actually kind of liked it. I'm like, wow, I've never liked ice cream, but this is kind of good. Like, okay. Went to Texas um, the week after with my family 
And it's like, y'all gotta try this. We stood in a long line. And my mind starts to wonder, like just always being in business, like, wow, the lines were long. The first place the lines were long at the second place, like people were really waiting for this, you know? And so then I posted again and the girl seen it and was like, where are you at? I'm like, well, I was in California. She was like, well, where are you at now? Cause it just looks so good. I seen the last post. I was like, oh, I'm in Texas. And she was like, well, that looks so good. I'm pregnant. I just want to try it. And I was like, well, we should just open one. We laughed it off. <sighs> Very next day, we were like, well, wait. I'm serious if you're serious. And she was like, ha ha, no, seriously. And then we, LOL. Then we're like, well, wait, no, I'm serious. So that night, I went into the hotel room. I think it was my birthday, two, three years ago. I went in the hotel room. It was my mom in the room with me, my little brother, and my cousin. My brother grew up in the same environment as me. He's not really like an entrepreneur person, but he just kind of like, you know, whatever is whatever. My cousin, she didn't grow up necessarily with me, so her mindset is like really, you know, suspicious. You don't really know. So I was in the room with those three, and I asked my mom. And I'm glad I was in the room with these three people, or at least these two people at the time, because if it was three people who were like, nah, don't do it, I'd probably been like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. But because I was in the room at the very moment with my mom, she was like, yeah, what do you have to lose? My little brother was like, well, you could. People were really standing in that line. And so that's all I thought about the rest of the night. I didn't even want to go out for my birthday and enjoy Texas, I wanted to sit in that room and really think about it. Very next day I got back in town, the girl and I met and we hit the ground running and got the loan and everything. And came So how, how old were you whenever this happened? I was 23, 23 or 24, yeah, 23. That's hard, that's hard. Thank, thank so you. like you said, you write out the business plan and then you get prepared to launch. When do you launch? Did you launch like around summertime? We launched a year later. Anything that could possibly have went wrong with the brick and mortar went wrong. We didn't know anything about that. We didn't know how we were going to get the money. We went around shopping for locations, writing checks that are asking cash. And I'm the mouthpiece, right? So my business partner, she's really sweet. I'm like the finesser. I'm the, like, you're not going to talk to me like I don't know. Even if I don't know, you got to just carry yourself with confidence, right? So I'm going around negotiating prices and got a goddamn pot to piss in, right? Ain't have any money, nothing. But I'm talking like I know we're going to get it. So we found the right price just negotiating. Well, this place in this area, and I know this area says this, this area says that, the price over here, the audience over here, the foot track over here is terrible. So why could you like doing all that? Didn't have any money. And we came up with a business plan. And I, this is a crazy story, you guys. If you really want something, go get it. Because I called a loan officer for a micro lending company, because a lot of times people think you have to go to the bank. But when you're a startup, because we weren't a franchise, when you're a startup, banks don't typically like to fund you because you're a liability, right? I mean, you're, you're a liability. They don't want to fund you. So there's places like micro loans and angel investors who are designed to invest in startups. I found one and a lady who was supposed to be helping me, she was supposed to be my loan officer, a signed loan officer. She just kept kind of pushing me off on the back burner, not really paying me any mind. And I subscribed to their email list and I got a letter saying that they had an event coming up. It was an eight hour event. My business partner at the time, she was pregnant. She was about to pop any second, so she couldn't make it. Do you know I sat in this event for eight hours? And at the very end, the CEO came up and he introduced himself. He told everybody, thank you for coming. And he dismissed us. And I see him talking to somebody. And I walked up to him and I was like, I need to talk to you. And he was like, okay, well, I have reps over here. So-and-so can help you. And I was like, no, no, no. She's been putting me on the back burner for three weeks now. He was like, okay. And he was talking. He tried to push me aside. So he was talking. I was like, well, your company's starting to look bad, to be honest. And I said that in front of the guy he was talking to because why? His reputation's on the line now. So how are you going to handle this? So he looked at me and was like, well, here's my card. You know, let's set something up. Let's do coffee at 7 a.m. this day. I got my business partner. We met up with him 7 a.m. that day. 
I think it was literally two days later. Like, he acted quick because now your reputation's on the line. All these people's right here. And I wasn't going to cause a scene, but respectfully, your reputation is looking bad right now. So we met up, and we pitched ourselves, and he was so shocked. That man found us the money literally four days later. So, yeah. and fast forward, a year later, now I'm the speaker at that same event, that same eight-hour event. And he, tells the same story, and he tells the same story about how I marched up to him and everything. So, full circle moment. Hey, there's a favorite war is the bold. Though. That was a bold-ass move right there. You know, you just pull up on him and – but that's sometimes what it take. And I, I, hey, that shit dope. I just think of it. For real, it is. Sometimes people just take no for answer. I'm not that girl. I've never been that, nah, uh-uh. you said what? No? Oh, okay. Got it. Can't do it. I ain't asked you to write me. <laughs> Somebody say no, they already know you're going to be waiting at the door. <laughs> <laughs> for real, I just can't take no. I, I just feel like people will go through hell and high water for their kids to make sure their kids are going to be, I'm always going to rep for mine, my both. But your life should be like that. You know what I'm saying? People think it's just because when you get your firstborn, your secondborn, no. Your future is the same way. You can't take no for an answer. Your future is starving. Your future is hungry. Your future is crying. The same way your baby is. Change it, feed it, nurture it. It's the same thing, but people only go hard, you know what I'm saying, for a kid or a relationship, that man. Like, no, your future is the same exact way. You know what I'm saying? So. Ooh, she preaching. Hey, she told y'all she was coming with that fire. <laughs> I got a question. So for those people who might be in that same phase, you know, they got a great idea or, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to find it. How do they go about maybe finding an angel investor or a micro investor? Did you just Google it or like, how'd you come across that? Googled. And then also there's different representatives. So like SBA loans, we went to go talk to someone who was with SBA. They gave us the worst advice I've ever heard in my life. But the thing is, you guys, they also they know people. So just pay attention to name dropping. Pay attention to what people say. Well, there's this company, that company. And also ask. Google asking, meeting people. And you might meet the wrong people seven times before you meet the right person. And that's okay. Be okay with meeting the wrong people. I've met the wrong people probably four or five times, even within the own, but co- well, even within the company, the lady who was supposed to be representing me. Not knocking her, but she just wasn't the right person for me. So everything is okay. So even if you're going through somebody or whatever, never be afraid to ask to speak to somebody else in the business, you know? And that's just what it is. And hell, when I'm at my ice cream shop, sometimes they want to speak to me, they want to speak to somebody else. It's okay. It is what it is. Everyone, you know, they're going to find someone that's tailored and altered to their needs. And that representative just wasn't it. And it's okay. So same with you guys. If you're looking to find funding, there's always someone else within the company. There's always another company. There's just more where that came from. And so now that you got the loan, you're ready to start, how did you find distributors for the ice cream? Like, how did you go and be like, well, I mean, now I got to find the ice cream. We actually make our ice cream homemade in-house. We weren't going to do that. We found out. So here's another cool story. There was no really ice cream places in my area. So we drove three hours to Kansas City to find road ice cream. And me being the outspoken one, I asked the guy, can we practice making the ice cream? And he was like, no. And I was like, well, we drove all the way over here. We think it's so cool, blah, blah, So in the midst of having customers, he let us get behind the counter and practice. While we're behind the counter, my business partner is looking at everything behind the counter. How is this set up? Where is the sink set? What's the machines are? What kind of machines? Who made it? So we're doing all this quickly while we're trying to chop. We're snapping pictures, trying to figure out what's going on. How many bathrooms do they have? How many hand-washing sinks? So we learned all of that from getting behind getting behind that counter. I went to the bathroom in there probably two or three times just so I can see little things and take pictures. And we did that three different locations in Kansas City. 
Then we met one of the managers who were super young back there, back in Kansas City. And he even started talking to us and telling us little tricks and tips. So it's just, look, when you're hungry and your baby's starving, you're going to find a way to feed it. And that's what we did. So we was behind the counter taking pictures and learning. So hey, that's um, so dope. It's like that's a so espionage spy type shit. Like, hey, man, we need this. We coming. For real. <laughs> yeah, for real. At this point, we got these folks money. Like, we couldn't afford not to make it work, you know? And two, on top of that, we didn't have a recipe. We knew that. So we learned from talking to the other manager that they use a powder. There's a powder you can use for the ice cream. You can add milk or add water. My business partner wanted to try it. She was like, okay, let's just do it. Me being a math person, I'm like, we're going to spend so much money on ordering this product. And what if we run out of it? We're going to rely on that. So we had one light working in the ice cream shop and our doors were set to open in five days. We literally took an um, extension cord, plugged up that one light, plugged up that one machine and went to Walmart and we Googled just ways to make ice cream. And we just bought a whole bunch of stuff and we sat there for five hours and came up with different recipes until we got down to three. Then we invited a bunch of friends and family the very next day to try it. And everybody was like, this is the one. And we found out what our ice cream was going to taste like five days before we opened. So we didn't even have ice cream up until five days before opening. We were just like, hell, we, something's going, we got to make something. Something's going to work. You know, this story is amazing because it's just like, you ain't let just like the fear of, oh, I don't have it or this isn't going to work stop you. You really just was like, you know what? Fuck that. I got it. I got this on the line. I need to go make it happen. And a lot of people, they'll get stuck on trying to make it pretty or trying to make it perfect. And they five days before, I don't even know how the hell I'm making ice cream. They're canceled. Like a lot of people are like, I'm out of this bitch. Like I can't do it. Yeah, no. And I think for me, it was never a doubt in my mind on any of that. There was only one big scare when we found out we may not have been zoned properly. So that's one thing I always would tell anybody. So zoning, basically, they were trying to say that where we were at was not zoned, meaning we did not have permission to sell food in that area. Mm -hmm. So here we are, dang near $80,000 in debt, and we're set to open, but now we're finding out that we may not be able to do so. So we had to wait for our landlord. He was reading for us, too. So having good people on your side, making sure you're nurturing the right people, the right relationships. Our landlord was a big asset to our business. He came out of pocket a lot of money just because he truly believed in what we were doing. He went to court for us and we end up meeting the guy who was to tell us whether we get zoned or not. So when he came on in, his name was Marty. When he came on in to check the place out, uh, we buttered him up. Hey Marty, how are you? Cool shoes you got on. Do you have any grandkids? I'm talking. We buttered him up so good. He handed us our certificate right before he left. We were like crying. Like that was a moment of like we literally cried because he could have easily told us like, no, nah, y'all not ready. We can't do it right now and push it out some years. So that moment, I probably lost sleep for a solid three weeks behind that because I'm like to go in debt this much money, we may not be able to even sell ice cream here. My landlord wasn't completely worried about it. He's like, we'll figure it out. You guys will be fine. But when we buttered him up, he gave us the stamp of approval right then and there. So. Hey, that's so dope. And it's just that persistence that y'all had, like really not giving up. I really love it. And I respect that. I definitely love the grind. Thank you so much. No, no problem. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
Look like Jared R. Kelly was about to say something. Nah, Jared ain't speaking. His <laughs> audio. <laughs> oh man, I'm trying to see. Thinking. Okay, so if y'all ain't got nothing else, I know what I want to pivot to the e-commerce store. So I would like to pivot to the e-commerce store because we see a lot of people, you know, in e-commerce right now. You see a lot of people trying to do the drop shipping, things like that. When did you start with your e-commerce boutique? So that was actually like my first business business after all the side hustles. That's why I said we always go back to your roots. So after having all these side hustles and I realized I got fired from my job and it was raining outside and I went door to door begging for jobs. My mom, I call my mom crying like mom, my rent is due. I moved out at 17 years old. She's like, this energy that you're putting going door to door, trying to be a receptionist, trying to do all this stuff, put that into your business. So I went home crying and I put on an ad on Facebook saying that I have clothes for sale. Basically, you just ran a little ad 30% off or whatever it was. I didn't have anyone in my account, but you know, Facebook doesn't necessarily take the money till a few days later, you know, so I ran an ad with no money in my account and I was able to get $120 sale within an hour. And I call my mom crying like, okay, if I can get a $120 sale, then I can get something else. And then I went back to my roots like, okay, I was doing hair. So I put on Facebook, $50 sew-ins all week. I made my rent money that week. And I was like so grateful and I've never worked another job since. So for me, it was like just learning how to grow and just Facebook ads or what can I do to basically always say, pour yourself out. What can you do? A lot of times we have boutiques, we have you know, these online stores, but we don't put them in the face of people. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was a matter of putting it like, you know, excuse my language, but y'all too. So, you know, you see a stripper or you see, not necessarily a stripper, but you see like a prostitute. What's she going to do? She going to make sure she got her stuff. She going to mm -hmm. stop in every car. She makes sure she got her quick fix, her jugs, all that. She's stopping every car. Hey, hey, thumbs up. Hey, hey, hey. You got to do the same thing with your business, you know, which especially in the e-commerce world. You mm -hmm. got to make sure you're seen visibly. I tell people all the time too, there's multiple ways to get to your neighborhood. There's multiple ways to get to Walmart. There's multiple ways. There's different roads, right? A lot of times e-commerce stores, we use one platform. We use just Instagram. We use just Facebook. I'm like there's no back roads to your business. There has to be a back road to your business. So that was pretty much my advice for e-commerce is having multiple ways. So if I got on Facebook and I didn't see your ad, I just missed out. Now I'm probably never going to know who you are. But if I see you again on Instagram or if I see you actually running ads, you're going to pop back up. You're going to jump out in front of me, just like I said, the prostitute. And that's pretty much how you're going to scale an e-commerce business. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Uh, yeah. And with the e-commerce, were you selling the clothes that you were sewing or was this like drop shipping clothes? No, I started off selling jewelry. So my boutique used to be called Shoshana's Trends because I was selling the jewelry that I was making. And as that demand went up, I couldn't keep up with this. So then I learned about manufacturing I learned about wholesaling and then I changed the name because I was like, Trishana's Trends isn't a household global name. So I changed it to genre vein. So genre meaning it's the style, like, you know, your style, your preference. And then vein is spelled V-A-E-I-N. Y'all was only 18 when I made this name. It's V-A-E-I-N. So it's genre vein. And the vein is like your vein about your appearance and fashions in your veins. So I combined the two veins and that's how I got genre vein. And I felt like it sounded really like at the time I was really into like New York Fashion Week and Versace mm -hmm. and all that. It's like, ooh, genre vein. Like, so that's how it came. And yes, you originally you shot by like style. The first the way it first came out, you were shopping by style. So if you were into like urban clothes, you were shopping like the hoodies. If you were into chic, you were shopping like, you know, the suits and so but now with fast fashion, you know, one thing about entrepreneurship, you have to learn how to evolve and get what your customer wants. So now with fast fashion, 
has changed the way it is kind of a little bit. It's still, you know, true to who we are, but at the same time, if it doesn't make money, it doesn't make sense. So now we have to keep up with the times and constantly evolve. So that's how we're able to stay relevant. That, that's two big gems on the e-commerce, I think anybody like that. Because too many people, they want to have like an online business or anything, really, it'll be like, oh, I got a business, but they don't promote themselves daily. Like, if you don't promote yourself daily, you shouldn't expect to get sales daily. That's just not how that shit works. And then that evolving, like you said, you gotta, you can't be so stuck on yourself and your own shit with the e-commerce, cause with anything, competition come out every day. Anything, anything. Yeah, that's what really, really anything, bro. Like, cause I see a lot of people, like companies, Blockbuster, for instance, they were stuck on their self on selling their movies, and now they got their ass kicked, handed to them by Netflix. Any other company that's not around right now, they didn't evolve with the time. So it don't matter how big you are. If you're not keeping up with what's trending, what's high, what's pushing the culture forward, you're going to get left in the past. Y'all ever went to high school and seen somebody that was just the finest thing in high school? Like, woo, body was right, clothes was right, hair, everything was right. I seen boys I thought was just the finest thing walking. And then fast forward 2019, 2020, you still dressing the same. You know what I'm saying? That shit was fly back in the day. But now it's 2020, you still wearing your do-rag with your pants sagging and you still got on the same J's from, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to keep on going. You know, and a lot of times that's from like some of y'all still in tall tees with your business. You know what I'm saying? And it shows. So that's the thing. You got to evolve with the times. Otherwise, you're really going to get left. And if tall tees come back in style, then you got to know to switch back on the tall tees. You know what I'm saying? So you got to keep on going with the times. I'm not saying you got to become the world because I'm definitely like my mental and where I'm at. I just can't get with everything that the world has to offer. But when it comes to business, like you said, you cannot be attached. When it comes to relationships, you cannot be attached. You have to stay on hand and stay focused on the mission. And that's it. What are you learning from this time? What are you growing? What is the reason that this is happening to you? And if you become too attached, same with the ice cream shop. I can't be attached. Same with the staff. I love my staff. I love my team. But if the door is a revolving door, and that's whether it's business, relationships, the door is always open. We're only here for a project. We're only here for a short amount of time. And so to be stuck on stupid, you're never going to thrive. And I'm so glad that you mentioned your staff because that was something that I had wanted to speak about earlier. Whenever you're talking about, you know, how you were putting in the hours before you even hired your staff. And now they're like, you know, hey, we don't see you in here enough or whatever like that. But like you said, hey, I put in that work. And I say this to say to anyone who's listening, anytime that you're working for someone or they might not be busy, you might think they're not busy, but you're not understanding. They're managing a whole company. Even if you're an up-and-coming entrepreneur, you need to be thinking like that. Like, I'm not just dedicated to this one job. I'm going to have to manage this whole thing in the future. And I know off-camera, we also talked about, like, how strenuous it is building out a team. So I kind of just want to speak to those two factors. You know, like, what it's like actually managing a team and the team might give you some flack or whatever, and what is it like to actually start finding those people? So coming into the ice cream shop, like I said, go back to that business plan. We already knew that we didn't want to be hands-on. So our thing was to have an exit strategy. So I always look at big, big, like big, big, big entrepreneurs who they have so many businesses. And my mind always went to, they're not there. They're not working there. You don't see Jay-Z in his schools and you don't see that. You know what I'm saying? They pop in, pop out. You don't see that. But being in a small town, people think that's business. That's success. You've made it. You're at your ice cream shop. You're running the cash register and you're greeting everybody. That's not fun for me. It's not. And that doesn't mean I'm a bad boss. And a lot of times, so my business partner, she's more of, she likes to be in there. She like, you know, so 
battling that was a big task. You know, just the differences there to the staff. When I go in, it's more so coaching. Okay, today, you guys, we're working on this. We're working on that. I'll tell the manager, let's have them focus on this. Whereas she would like to be in there and kind of hang out and linger for a few hours and talk about it. And there's no right or wrong way. But for me, that's not what I like. So just staff as well, growing pains with them. They see me. I went from working side by side with them to barely being there at all. So they look at it as now, well, why do you get to leave? Well, why are, you know, so we had to kind of clean house as some of those cancerous traits were spreading to our new staff. Like, you know, I'm writing your check and I don't need to be here right now because you're well-equipped, you know what you're doing. And I want to set my staff up for success and I don't need to be here while you're thriving, you know? So that was another thing. And I love my staff too. Now you guys, like I've always loved my staff, but they're learning now. Like, okay, this is, she doesn't have to be here. So when I am there, they're like open arms now. They're just like, Trish, what's up? And see, you just made our day. And I'm like, you guys, if you guys are doing amazing, you don't call me for little things. I'm getting pizza today, you know? So now they're like on a point of problem solving and to being in a business that I have like retail or any type of store that it's always going to be a revolving door, especially with younger kids, because that's who's working in ice cream shops. That's who's working in fashion stores, all that stuff. So it's definitely a revolving door when it comes to that, but just working with the kids and teaching them that in real life, people don't care. Like I care because that's the person that I am, but you guys we're lenient with you guys. Like you guys get away with a lot of things in here that other businesses and other companies will not allow whatsoever so those are just growing pains like you said even i was there 16 hours a day we only had six employees when we first started and two of them were me myself and my business partner so all together was eight six other employees me and my business partner we're open from noon to 2 a.m on weekends so imagine being there from 10 a.m to get the day prepped being there till three or four in the morning and i did that for 60 90 days until we were able to keep getting staff and training them so just growing pains alone. But once you learn your profit margins and you learn, you know, breaking even, you learn your break even analysis, you learn 25 to 30% of your sales, bruh. Did you go to school for any of this? You went to college? I never stepped foot in college in my life. I do it. I do it. <laughs> All hustling. YouTube University and Professor Google. No, but you guys, I'm old school. I went to a library and I was checking out books. I sent my black ass in the library and I learned web development I learned Photoshop. I learned what, because I didn't know what any, but back then too, because this was in like, what, 2011, you know, Instagram boutiques wasn't really a thing. So I didn't know about any of this stuff. I didn't even have an Instagram account because the time was just for iPhones. So yeah. I had to learn domain names. I learned everything on my own and it also slowed me down. It's a blessing, but it slowed me down, you know? So now I'm at a point where it's like, ooh, I know so much. I got to spread that word to people, but now I'm hiring. I'm hiring for everything. I don't even answer my own emails. I barely answer my own DMs at this point in life. Like, I've worked too hard to, like, it'd be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have my personal brand, which is, like, my business coaching. I'm also, like, an influencer. So I have that brand where I have my manager who's always telling me, like, what I should be wearing, how I should be looking, when not to eat too much because you got to go on camera for something. And then as myself, I run an ice cream shop, and I have, like, 14, 15 staff still signing checks, still making sure everybody gets their time off request. So it's like I'm managing so many different things now, but now I'm also at a place where I can just pretty much oversee, make a phone call. Hey, were you able to send this email? Hey, were you able to do this? Hey, check the cameras. Let's figure out what's going on. And then I get to do what I want to do. But I enjoy what I'm doing too. So if you, you know, I don't have anything to escape from either. Yeah, that's the beauty of business ownership. That's the goal. That's one of the main things we like. The reason of this podcast is like, getting us to move our mindset. So I'm not sure you're familiar with the cash flow quadrant from that S mindset to that B mindset. 
you don't want to be the person in the shop taking orders forever for the rest of your life. The goal is, like you said, to get other people to do the shit so you can make money and enjoy life in a more full version. That's literally my goal. Love it. Um, well, we're going to uh, pivot to the last section of the podcast. The last section of the podcast is called What's on Your Timeline. So we're just going to ask you anything that you saw on your TL, anything that could have been funny, could have been anything that pissed you off, just anything that you feel like yeah. you want to speak about. You look like you got something that's good. I got it. And the crazy thing is I just thought about this a few seconds before you said I'm like, what am I going to say? And I just thought about it because it grinds my gears. This is probably unpopular opinion. The whole rap community with the whole Megan the Stallion era, the hot girl summer era, the what else? Wow. The whole city girls era and shoving a what's the name down your throat. And all, like, I am just not, I can't. Like, my music, I listen to hood music. You know, I like a little rap music, but I don't want to be talking about what's in between my legs and what my throat can do. I just feel like that's so unproductive. And I'm not judging, like, I'm not like, oh, that's unladylike, like, don't you, like, y'all, I grew up, okay? But to do all that, it's not cute to me, it's not fun. Like, I'm not that girl, and I'ma shove it down my throat. And, no, I'm like the, I wanna rap with Jeezy. I wanna rap, you know what I'm saying? Like, bring me some lyrics, I don't wanna hear that. You know what I'm saying? Bring me some Kendrick, bring me some real lyrics, bring me some Jeezy, bring me some Boosie, but don't bring me, don't bring me that. What is that? I can't relate. And then it got girls really thinking that they got to wait on a nigga to, sorry, wait on a guy to bring them some money. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of girls are sitting there really waiting on a Birkin. Like, sis, what you going to do with the Birkin? What is that going to do? You know? You know what I'm saying? They be waiting on a bag and a baby. Y'all want to have this man's baby for a check and y'all want this bag so you look like you got it. Like, that's weak to me. I've never... I've dated millionaires, athletes, all that, and I can't ride nobody's wave. I'm not rapping about that stuff. I'm not riding nobody's wave. I feel like I sabotage anything that's not meant for me anyway, right? So me and all these high-quality relationships ain't never last because I'm not that I'm not that girl. Like, women out here, like, I just want everyone to know, know who you are as a woman and know where you're headed with or without the man, with or without the children, with or without the clout. Where are you headed yourself? You know what I'm saying? So I just, I don't know. I just can't get with that. Hey. I'm just not for that culture. I love so that. I take it you ain't heard the new song. <laughs> I did, and it pissed me. I was like, ugh, turn this off. Like, I just can't get with it. Somebody told me earlier they heard that song. They said they felt like they need to take a shower after that shit. <laughs> yeah, like, you guys, I'm more of like the homeboy, homegirl. Like, I'm not like the one that... I'm just not the girl in the club like this. I'm the one with the bottles like, hey, you know, like, that's me. So I can't, I don't know. I just don't see why that's fun to rap about sucking and effing. Like, to a sound like, you ain't never had sex before? Like, you got to, this really, this all you talk about? Like, you ain't never, you don't get no play. That's why you guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you get it, you ain't got to really talk about what you get. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's um, everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's the part about it that pissed me off, though, because, like, Megan really got bars. Like, she really can rap. Like, you can rap yeah. about so much more, Meg. I don't know. Yeah. I still, I mean, yeah, so much more. Give me something else. Talk about making some money. Talk about a new car. Talk about, you know what I'm saying? Talk about a come up. Talk about, but to talk about just sex all the time, I don't know. I just try not to get distracted with shiny objects, and a lot of people, they do. A lot of people, they really can be on their grind, on their hustle, but the minute a uh, Megan Thee Stallion song come out or something else comes out that looks shiny, 
all of a sudden you got to live how they're living. And it's like, y'all, they're selling it to us because we're the biggest consumers. This mm. is for money. This is for financial gain. This is not the life that they're actually living. They're selling it to us, putting a bow on it, and we're buying it because we're the biggest consumers. We think people live what they say to us. Ooh. All I want to say is if you still want to go buy your Birkin bag, just make sure you got your business. Go buy it with the business. Have it as your business bag and get the tax write off. Hey, that's the whole flex. The and here's the thing, too, because I love a good, you know, something. But don't save up. For, if you got to save up for it, okay, you probably shouldn't be buying it. Mm. <laughs> and a lot of people like, oh, I had to save up. Or if you got to put it on layaway, you probably shouldn't be buying it. You know what I'm saying? If you can't buy three, four, five of them right now, you probably shouldn't be buying it. You know, so if you couldn't pay it off in a year, you probably shouldn't be buying it. So it's just, it comes to like you said. And then to use it as a tax writer, but people don't learn these skill sets before they go splurge. Gonna got y'all wanting to shop. You know what I'm saying? And that's cute, but Gunna got his money. Or Gunna got y'all, or other people got y'all want to do lean and smoke. But that's cool, they got their money. Y'all, we don't. You know what I'm saying? So, and I say we, so I can include myself. As, and so people will be like, oh, you're so judgmental, Tershana. No, it's just like, y'all, I told somebody before, like, you smoke too much. Like, if you're going to smoke, cool, but be productive. But, oh, I got my job. I'm making 3500 a month. If you're not making millions and they try to, well, Rihanna... Rihanna has a whole team. Rihanna don't, she don't got to tie her own shoes if she wants to. She don't wipe her own ass. Like you can't compare yourself to people that's out of your league. So always compare yourself to yourself. Where else can you be going? What else can you be doing? You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I just felt like I had to cut out because I used to want to smoke, drink, party, all that. But I was doing all that in an early age. I got all that out of my system in high school, in elementary. Let's be real. I was doing all that stuff from elementary, middle school, and high school. I've lived, literally lived. So when I got all that stuff out of my system, I realized what I was able to do. So just to see women just belittling themselves or thinking they need a man for a check or take his money, sis, all that, I'm not in that world. I'm not in that life. I don't need a free meal. I can feed myself. So if I'm not interested, I'm not going to go sit in your face for some chicken or for some pasta or for some steak. I'm hey, just not. Y'all heard it here first. A queen. Independence. I love it. I love it. But Tashana, we thank you so much for coming on the podcast and dropping gems. This has been a great episode. Could you plug yourself in and like let the people know where they can find you if they want to reach out to you for some yeah. business coaching or anything? Yeah, just let them know how they can get at you. Thank you, guys. Y'all are fun. I like this. I got to come back. What else are we going to talk yeah. about? <laughs> Y'all need a little women voice on there? Let me know. I'll talk. But um, so my name is Trishana. Again, you can find me on Instagram at Trishana, T-R-I-S-H-O-N-N-A. Also, if you want to grow or scale your business, I have a business one-on-one ebook out. It's $20. We spend that on fast food anyhow with nothing to show for it but a gut. So that's available. Also, I have a course out on how I make money for Instagram and how Instagram pays me upper five figures every month. So make sure you guys get that. And that's only $40. Invest in yourself or no one will. So yeah, that's it. Also, I have coaching calls and I also have an entrepreneurship group where I people pay a monthly, small monthly fee and I work with them literally all week to grow their businesses. I didn't pay for their campaigns. I paid for the ads. Like I'm genuinely just trying to tell people and I'm really selective on who's in there just because I pour so much of my time into that group, but that's also available too. So you can ask me about that. I love it. I love it. Y'all definitely, definitely tap in with our sister, man. She's doing some great things out here. We definitely will have you back on the podcast because you know, you got something else you about to start. So once that's all going and everything, we'll be able to speak about that too. Once again, I just want to say thank you. I know the fellas, we really, really appreciated this. Yes, thank you. Um, but yeah, before we wrap up. And my man Jared's facial expression has been killing me this whole time. 
Jared <laughs> <laughs> over there making the face because he's tall like he's talking. Like, like, I'm like, man, was that? All right, cool. It was said something good. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, you've been over there killing it, bro. I just my my audio been jacked up, my Wi-Fi slow and stuff. I just you know what I'm saying I didn't want to mess up the audio, but you was over there slaughtering them. I I agree. <laughs> Thank you so much. Now I appreciate it. I appreciate y'all so much. Uh, no problem. But before we wrap this up, we're going to get into some house cleaning. We want to say thank you to all our listeners who are coming in week in and week out. We are growing constantly. We just can't say thank you enough. Thank you for leaving the reviews. Thank you for sharing it with your family. We also want to let you guys know about our laptop fundraiser that we are doing. We are doing a laptop fundraiser with the goal of raising $50,000 so we can schools and students throughout Louisiana. We have already put up the first 10% of that 50,000. We have partnered with Best Buy and we are donating laptops to schools in Lincoln Parish of Louisiana. Uh, you can click the link in the show notes and you can donate there. If you can't donate, just share to someone who can donate with we'll C. Fellas, y'all got anything else? Yeah. I just want y'all to check out our ebook, Manage Your Money Like the 1%. You gotta go get that if you're trying to get your bag and stuff together. Uh, it's a step-by-step guide to money management and investing. If you're new here, you've been a fan of the Renaissance for a while, you know we've been dropping education for over a year now. That book is like everything we got in one. So y'all check that out. It's available in the show notes. I just wanna say thank y'all for rocking with us and please continue to support us. And also make sure you check out the show notes for the eight week for wealth. Still doing that. And we still got a lot of good things coming up with the new events every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Just check it out. Until then, next time, this is Black Off in the Science signing out. Peace. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is run money marathon. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.